Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And it's Monday. Happy Monday, May 22, 2023. Hope you guys are having a great day. Uh, welcome to Elijah Streams. We're in year 26 of bringing you the voice of the prophets. And we're going to bring on Johnny Inlow in just a minute and a special guest of his for a few minutes that we'd like you to get to know. Uh, anyway, it's going to be a, an amazing season that we are all entering into. I have never been more encouraged in my life. I, would I want things to move faster? Yeah, I think I'd like it to move faster, but God knows the pace. And that I'm talking about both our personal lives and the ministry life and in the nation. We want things to get done now so there's no more suffering. But God has a plan and he's working the plan. So I hope if any of you didn't watch Derek Johnson from Friday, you got to see that one um, because there's a awakening. If you say, well, I, you know, I like to think of myself as a person who's waking up and realize and learning what's actually going on. Uh, Derek will give you a wake up call. I trust me. And uh, so if you missed that, it's got a lot. It's got 250 something like that, maybe more than that thousand views already. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Um, the bottom line is, and one of the things he, he said over and over is that uh, the law of war manual was finished. And then four days later, trouble came down the escalator. And he said, now, and then he'd go back and say, okay, law of war manual, four days later, the escalator. And then he started and he, he's letting you know, and we're getting more and more awake that this whole thing was planned before Trump came down that escalator. And as as one of the proofs being four days after it was after the law of war manual was uh, done, completed, updated, Trump Trump showed up on the scene. So there's a lot more that was happening and planned. All some of you may I don't think we talked about this spot, but uh, this part. But remember, there was a scene early on in his presidency where where um, Trump was in uh, some part of the um, I believe it was in the White House, like in the East Room or something, and he had military people lined up on both sides of him. And there's for a big picture, it was a hugely wide thing. And he said, this is the calm before the storm. And one of the reporters said, Mr. President, what does that mean? Uh, the calm before the storm. He said, you'll find out. Uh, that was way early on in his presidency. So the things that he has been doing uh, before anyone realized that an election would be stolen, uh, yeah, the you know, four years later in November, um, that was all foreseen. I mean, that was foreseen and planned for. So as some people would say, you're, and he was, I think he said that you're watching a movie here. So anyway, don't miss that, okay? Don't miss it. You will have missed some reality that you don't want to uh, miss. All right. We, uh, we have a brand new video that came um, available this morning. I, I, really liked, uh, I really like it. Sometimes, you know, I'll say, you know, we're changing people's lives when we dig these wells. And I'll say that, but. Until you see the pictures and hear the voices of the people, sometimes it doesn't stick. So without further delay, go ahead and put, play that, Emily. The, the villagers have got to walk all through this dirt and this, this swamp to go and pick water. To show you this is to really let you know you are not only uh, doing history but leaving a legacy. Because from, from this water to clean water, you have eliminated all diseases. There are many communities that, that are still struggling and suffering. Uh, so we continue to pray with you and continue to pray with us that we shall continue to lift up the standards of living of our people and that they can be free from all sicknesses. God bless you. We are now, we are now heading to the launch 
of a wonderful gift that you have donated yeah. to elevate these people from this level to the That's... level now you're going to see. It's up for you. We thank you. We thank you so much for alleviating this community from bad contaminated water. And we pray that God blesses you so much. We are going to open it and launch it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And on behalf of Elijah Stevens, I hand over this hall to the leaders and to the people. And I dedicate it to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone who say, Amen. So let us see whether we have some water. Amazing. You did that. You did that. You sowed into this and you bought that water well. Uh, they call it a borehole is another term that they use for it. You paid for that in your uh, generous donations and look at the lives you've changed. And that's just one. I think that last week or a few days ago, I announced that we were at, at uh, well number 130. I think the number was 130 of those gatherings of dedicating the well and people coming to the Lord. So bless you for doing that. So, all right, time to bring in Johnny Enlow Unfiltered. So here we go. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Johnny Enlow, good to see you. You're back from Israel. We both went to Israel a, a couple, oh no. As we were in the air flying home, you were in the air flying to Israel, we calculated, so. That's correct. So how was that? How was Israel? Well, it was amazing. You know, a shout out. They asked if I would give a shout out. We had a couple hundred uh, people go with us. Not quite that. Um, and, you know, we had a couple of nights of meetings. And one of the nights I said, OK, close your eyes. And I need a response in three seconds. If you know you have a huge, huge call, you're presently working out. Uh, and you're right in the middle of it, raise your hand. And we had 90% of that crowd. And then we heard, you know, with a crowd that size, only really can interact with about 10% maybe. Yeah. And um, it was great because what they all had in common, I asked how many of you heard about the Israel trip from Elijah's dreams? And again, it was 90%. Wow. Plus, oh, I love that, it. Well, so they all commented during the time together there how, you know, it was like having the tribe picked out was better than any other trip they went before because it's like they all knew they were on the same page on it. Exactly. You know, John, that was exactly the same thing in our trip because there's 300 of us. The 170, was that the number? The 470. Yeah. And and to the last person, we would have had your your group would have been like our group and vice versa. And, yeah, we knew that everyone that showed up was probably a total patriot, probably loves Trump, uh, he loves the prophets, and all of the different ins and outs that go with it. So nobody has to write, work really hard to get to know each other um, to get past filters. Exactly. And, you know, if we have, I don't think it's another filter, but another, okay, so they know the seven mountain component is going to be yeah. a oh, yes. part of the emphasis I have. So they're there, and so uh, many 
that came on that trip have amazing um, breakthrough kingdom projects they're in the middle of, and, and they're going to be disruptive. Wow. And and wow. Um, and so that was that was fun in that way. But yeah, I mean, the day we got there, uh, you were leaving, but three Islamic uh, terrorist commanders were uh, killed by uh, the IDF forces, and so. We had 1,500 and something missiles sent into Israel. Did you see, were they where you ever saw them or are they too far away for you to see that? It wasn't uh, where we we saw them, um, but they came into, there's one hit the outskirts of Jerusalem, then Tel Aviv while we were in Netanya, and then the hotel we were staying at second night, a bunch of, we'll say, refugees came up from those cities, but you know, it was 1,500 and something missiles, and there was one casualty um, from all of it. They had an unusual um, thing happen where their Iron Dome, the defense system they had, didn't, I think it didn't work on about a third of the missiles, oh, but wow. even at that, it wasn't much. Now, we've got, we got daily reports about where um, it was safe or not safe, and, and at the time, but by day four, I think there had been a a new piece of cord that lasts for a little bit. Yeah. And, um, but honestly, you know, the team, nobody, nobody felt unsafe. It wasn't like we were in prayer interceding over it. You just felt like, okay, that's just the reality of Israel. That's what our guides would tell us. It's just what we live through. Everybody's ready to, to be uh, in a, in an, what we would think of as emergency situation at, at any moment. And so that's just, you know, you have security all over the place. You have the, the teenagers, um, male and female, with their weapons ready to go. It's, it's kind of gives you an idea of how we're supposed to be as the, as the body. Yeah, and it's amazing because they're on their Israeli IDF uh, green, um, you know, soldiers uniform. And you see them, men and women, they, they look more like boys and girls half the time. Yeah. But they're, they're buff because they're really working good. But, well, we got to get going. I wanna, yeah. We're going to introduce a couple. And I just realized I hadn't worked this out with Emily. Emily, you're listening. You might want to pop in for a second. But uh, the video that we're going to play, I don't know if we – do we bring these guys in and then play the video? Or how, what would you suggest? Um, well, I could tell – a, a, a second about them and then show okay. the video then have them come in maybe okay let's do that then go ahead johnny so uh, again back to uh, you know steve just said you did it and that was something to you the elijah streams uh yep. listeners and how you've been uh providing for oh, well over 100 wells in africa i think primarily or entirely in uganda and whatnot and so we have um also some friends here uh young pastors I say young, they're around 40, I suppose. They're young for me. And um, they just started a church this year here here in the Franklin, Tennessee area. And and we have come to uh, love this young couple. They remind us a little bit of Elizabeth and I when we were that age. And we thought of how it would be awesome if we had support around us. And so we wanted to fan the flame of who God's made them to be, what they're doing. But they have, just like I did as well, we did a history in the nations. And they've been working over uh, 10 years in Uganda since before they were married. But one of the things is um, there was a, a certain need they had. And, and so uh, Steve, with funds from you, the, the donors were well, entirely from you. Those who, yeah. who give to Elijah streams were, were able to send a $50,000 um, amount in order to build a church. And so in short order, that church is, 
we'll find out 90%. I think they're doing the tile on the floor now. And so it's just a, a little short video clip of, um, of, of a church being put up. And so just so you know, as you're watching it again, be what Steve just got through saying, you did it. So yeah, this- totally. Now, but just before you put that on, just in people, so people don't get confused because we're in Uganda with uh, the, the yeah. village is called field of dreams and Mike and Lori Sally of show mercy who works both their own village and this work. Now this is by another couple who's like 40 kilometers away. We're going to bring them on in a couple of minutes. So you'll meet them face to face. So they're 40 kilometers away from all the ones we've been talking about. So we're introducing you to another mission yeah. uh, compound close by. So, uh, so church. their names are Clint and Tara Mosley. Good. Yeah. And Tara Mosley and the church is his and house. And I had asked them and uh, we brought him on and I said, how much of the, of the church was built with this 50,000. And it's almost 100%, like 95%. Uh, so like Johnny just said, when you say you did that, this church that you're about to see from the air, because they've got some drone shots that are great. Uh, it's like a minute and a half video. And uh, if it takes really- a while, we could we could bring Clint Terra on first if it. Okay, let's bring those guys on here. And there are the stars of the show. Hey, Clint yes. Terra, so. We've met off camera just a few minutes ago, but uh, so what's the, does your village have a name in Uganda? Yes, yeah, so we, we work in central Uganda. We actually work in a couple villages, but where this was built is in Sala village. It's in the greater Wakiso area of central Uganda. Great. And you guys have been there 10 years. So now we're, we're going to sh- talk about your village. Maybe just begin to talk about the church for a minute. And then we're going to talk about your, your uh, church that you're planning. Talk about uh, the church that, you, that you're almost done building. How long has that taken? And uh, how, how, many, how many will be able to fit in that church? Talk about that a minute. Yeah, the one in Uganda. In Uganda. Yeah, so we started, what, in November, probably, breaking ground, our team on the ground, our partners on the ground. We have a very clear mission from God to invest in local leaders and raise them up um, so that the generation sees sustainable impact within their communities. And to say thank you, I mean, we'll get to say thank you probably 100 times before uh, this video is over, but we kind of cleared the ground in November and through the generosity of you guys. Uh, we've been able to just stay steady in the path to see it. And honestly, we'll be there in three weeks weeks from today uh, on the ground as the church opens and it's fully complete and we'll be there to celebrate it. It's going to be amazing. And tell them how, wasn't this about to see the thousand? Is that what it was, Clint? Uh, Yeah, uh, between 800 and 1,000 people will be impacted by this church. They'll be able to hold that many people on a Sunday, but it's going to be used throughout the week, too. Uh, is really is an incubator for light in a village that had none. And you know what? That's a fast build. Yes. Right? Doesn't it normally take even in here, even in the US, it takes longer than that. Yeah. But you know it's, it's beautiful. We started when we first went to Uganda about 10 years ago, I guess eleven now. Uh this was just a field and our and our partner, Freddie and Mission House Ministries, that's who we work with. Uh, they were preaching the gospel basically under a banana tree, an avocado tree or something. And this, so this ground had been prayed over and we built a smaller church within the last six years. We built something smaller um, and we outgrew it. And this was a village that didn't know the word of God. And so we started small, but it grew and it grew. And so that church held about 200 and people were sitting outside looking through the windows. And when we were on this last trip in really? July of last year, uh, we went and stood on this new area and we had no funds, no money, just this this word from the Lord together as a team with Freddie. And we're like, he's going to build this church. And so 
they have been praying day and night over there fasting. And so when we heard from you guys that you were going to help us build this church, it was just such an answer to prayer and the faithfulness of God. And so they were ready. The plans were there. The village was ready. And so it was built so quickly because I, I, we believe that the hand of God was on it, but also the village was all behind it. And you know what's interesting about it, because I didn't know about all the fasting and prayer and the things yeah. that are going on. I, I guess I would have assumed prayer was going on. But, you know, I didn't know any of that. When the time was right, Johnny opens his mouth, on this case, probably typed it out and said, this couple needs some help. And I don't remember what all he said. And it was just like came to my, I don't remember if he gave me a mount or if I asked him, uh, do you remember, Johnny? I'm not quite sure either. I think I just sent you a, a video of what they had done because there's an amazing, in fact, the, the, the website, they just had Project uh, R, Project R12. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. And, and um, Project12.org, there is, uh, I think that's where you have the videos. There's like two 10-minute videos that really are kind of a testimonial of their 10 years there. And so they will show you three, four, and five-year-olders who came out of um, you know, human trafficking wow. and scheduled wow. to be sacrificed and they inter intervened and rescued them. And now 13, 14, 15 years old, what they're doing, 16, 17. And so to see the progress from there uh, till now and, and what kind of schools, what kind of impact they're already making and how they've transformed lives in that way and grown a village literally from having a meeting under a banana That's tree. That's amazing. And, and it's, then, it's, and then, it's, she's telling me the video She's telling me the video's ready, but I just want to say okay. this. When, when this fasting was going on, I didn't know that. Johnny circles it to me, and I was in the same sitting. I just thought somehow I came up with the figure, figure 50,000. Yeah. And it was just done. It was just that quick. But that's that's prayer and fasting goes into all of that, and then the moment comes, and yeah. there it is. You know, it's fa fascinating for me to be on this side of that. So yeah. well, let's go ahead and run that video. I can't even remember if there was music or if it was. So go ahead and run that. Our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to go and make thee known. And that's a substantial building, man. Inside that whole high ceiling thing, crazy. It, it, it's incredible. Not only did you, the generosity of you and Elijah Streams, um, help build that, the previous church is now going to be used as a dorm to house vulnerable children, up to 200 children. So it's almost like a double impact. It's just an incredible kingdom. Wow, nice. wow. Well, you know, kudos to you both on that. Um, you, I, I'm, I'm amazed how either of you and, and the Sallys uh, in Lifeway can 
can have a life here and also do that over there at the same time. It's amazing how you guys pull it off. It's the youth of today or something. I don't know how you well, do it, but go ahead. Well, I'll even, let me add all, let me add all that, Steve. So they, they also have four little kids just to, Oh my uh, goodness. You know, <laughs> they help them in their free time. So a startup church, four little kids and Gee. both of them fighting fairly severe cases of Lyme disease um they carry amazing grace that's why we believe elizabeth and i believe in them so much as a couple yeah. they're not untested you look at them you're like ah what you just said youth have it easy really haven't had tests. <laughs> no, they have had mm. severe significant tests in life but they they live uh as overcomers uh and in fact uh, tara's just released a, a book declarations in the desert and they're amazingly anointed their declarations in the midst of tests and trial that they're going through, every time she reads them, you can feel that they're not just something that she dreamed up from her head. Right. She literally had them as she's talking with the Lord encounters and things like that. So this is, um, yeah, this is as good a chance as any of me to tell. I believe in these, uh, these two as young pastors starting up this work here in Franklin, Tennessee. And, yeah. uh, and then which is where do they go? And we'll have you talk about the church in a minute. So you you've been to that church and, and is the name. What's the name of the church? Or do we have that website, too? Or is that a different one? It's on his just there to help is. out. He put it. I didn't ask him to do that, but he has it on his hat. There has it, his house, Nashville. <laughs> good, 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 good. His house. And, is, that uh, you look at, is that his house, Nashville dot org <clears throat> or Tara? Is that? Yeah, dot com. Dot okay, com's yeah. good. Uh, talk about that for a few minutes. What what uh, how's what 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 type of people seem to really come to this new church plan? Yeah, well, to be honest, when we were we've been praying and praying for the nations, and the Lord told us that the Holy Spirit said, mm. "You guys have been praying for the nations. How about your own? Because the walls have been broken down in your own nation." And I was like, "Thanks, but no thanks. I don't want a pastor." The first yeah. <laughs> The first message I preached 10 years ago in Uganda, someone died. And I don't know if it was from boredom or the cause. (laughs) So uh, we really fought the Lord until we recognized what it meant to be a shepherd and not a hired hand. And they're very, very different. And so the Lord began to speak to Tara and I, and he said, look, a silent pulpit's never going to bring revival. If you want to see the transformation in your nation that you're contending for, then you need to step up and start releasing the word of the Lord in its entirety preaching the full gospel. And so it's been amazing. Johnny and Elizabeth and many uh, of their friends and family come and really we just get out of the way and the Holy Spirit gave us, and you can chime in, babe, but the Holy Spirit gave us a clear mandate, less platforms to men, more altars and to the Lord. So good. Anything, anything you want to add, Tara? Or is it Tara or Tara? It's Tara, right? One In the United States, it's Tara. Outside of the U.S., it's Tara. But... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else would you like to say? I would just say, you know, for us as a family, um, there's such a time on the earth right now for families to step into uh, the greater things of the Lord. And for us having four little kids and we both have, you know, he has a full time job. It, wow. It's just been such an honor to really offer this up to the Lord. And so his house, Nashville, uh, we worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And we don't really have a big agenda other than what the Lord is wanting to do. And we're praying for our own building right now, but we've been renting and we we actually did church for 18 months on a Tuesday night, which anyone who has four kids under the age of eight, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Wow. Uh, so it's just been an honor for us to, to uh, make a space in Franklin. There's tons of churches in Franklin, 
but the Lord told us there's room for more. And so for us, that was enough to just step out in faith. Like we've seen him move in Uganda, like he just did with the church there. It was prophetic for us because it's like he's building the church here in Uganda. Of course, he's going to build it here in Franklin if he's called us to it. So, yeah, it's just been amazing. So, Tara, maybe you could uh, read, read one of your short declarations yeah. from there just so they get a, a taste. That'd be of great. That. Good, good idea, Johnny. Y'all's life. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we actually started declaring in Uganda and decreeing just the word of the Lord over situations and I'm just going to read this one over panic because we've noticed a lot of people have been in this kind of dread, doom state of panic. And so um, it's taken from Isaiah and, and uh, the Psalms. And I'm just going to read this real quick here. I declare I am not alone. Even in the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid. I declare his comfort wraps around me, blanketing me in safety and insur- assurance. I declare a deep infilling of the spirit of peace in my body, overcoming every spirit of panic and dread. Wow, I declare my days were not made to be spent in panic and worry, and I declare breakthrough over every tormenting spirit against me. I declare he knows me, he will not leave me in the swirls of the river or the flames of the fire, for he is with me, rescuing, restoring, and renewing. I declare I know he is God, and his plans are good, his ways are kind, and I can rest inside of his peace. So good, Tara. Wow, very anointed. My goodness. My goodness, you guys are so young. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? I'm just sitting, as I'm sitting here pondering this and I'm going, I don't know what it is, but, you know, usually I usually go for people older than me that I'm going to learn from. Not today. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm going, no, I'll, I'm receiving from this young woman. You know, yeah. I know my wife, I don't know if she, she usually goes on a walk and listens. So she's, she's already got a couple declaration books. She'll probably get this one, too. So I hope you all will get that. And that was that. You all saw that website, de- uh, Declarations in the Desert. Please get that. Please get that book. So awesome. Anything else, Johnny, we want to say? We probably better get scooting along. We we we, we better go on. Um, but any last thing, uh, Clint or Tara, you, as, as, you, as you go, we're excited about how God's using you. Yeah, thank you so much. Quickly, Steve, can we just release a prayer over you? And yes, yes, please. Lord, I have a radical healing testimony. and We're just going to release that over you. Yeah. Uh, Father, I thank Mm. you, Steve, and the anointing and the mantle that is on his life right now. And I just released Psalm 103, not my words, but your word that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all of your benefits, that you forgive all our sins and you heal all our afflictions and disease. We release that word out over Steve right now. We say chronic sinus infection, leave now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, God bless you. God bless you. And we'll have you back one time before before long. We'll see what happens here. God bless you. We'll see you guys later, and we'll get on with you, Johnny. So uh, see you later. And, all right, Johnny. So you're up. I know you had a, a lot as well today. So uh, I'm going to yes. Thanks for bringing these guys on. By the way, Johnny, that was really yeah. really good of you. Could you? I could tell you could feel. Oh yeah. An anointing that that young lady has an anointing. Yeah. Every single one of her declarations comes from something like uh, I mean, if you understood, like her husband was dying, not supposed to live through the day in the hospital a few years ago and really? she basically told the doctor to hush his mouth saying what he's saying. <laughs> and he says, he's going to, before this day's over, he will leave this. She knows. Oh my goodness. This is what you're talking about. Tara did this. Tara. So uh, they've walked through, they've walked through stuff. And so my goodness. You know, it's, it's really um, worth that stuff is so real. I mean, I, I, I looked forward to the day. This is one of the early 
returns uh, or the, that I'm, this is one of those that's glaring in my face. I look forward to the day when the young ones would start to teach me. And this is that one of those days. Goodness, those guys are so anointed. Yeah. And, that, you know, I, I mentioned that, if, uh, uh, I don't know, a few programs ago. There is this, this group. They're right around 40 and some right below it, some right above it. Andrew Whalen's in that. And they carry the fresh next wave of God. And they're the next they're the next level of leadership, but they're leadership now. And so and they carry anointing. They carry a new level of courage. They carry less negative processing that our generation does. And they're they're infused with faith and they're ready to release it. And they've overcome things. It's like Andrew. He's not. You know, he's no child in the faith, no, uh, no, right. you know, no newbie. And so he's been tested and tried and, and they've been below the radar. And, and there's it's been great. There's about five, six, seven of them that I've met in the last couple of months. And it's helped me recognize like, wow, there's something really promising. There's like this wave of this next. Well, you had mentioned that, too. And I and that that this, I said, who do you know? That's I had to ask you that question one day. Yeah. I don't think it was. And I think it was just kind of out in the open. And you said, well, there is this group and you referred to them. But, you know, I didn't have faces and names, so you couldn't picture. But now that I've seen with my eyes, yeah. I get it. I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. Totally. So, right. well, anyway, uh, Steve, so last uh, pro, you were in Israel, but I, I, I went into opening the first seal um, out of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter six. And so okay. a, a basic point that I've been making there is that. Uh, the opening of the seals is not something that remains for the future. So that's kind of the uh, the first shocker for people. And I, and I, yeah, and can I just say this, Johnny, because I, I, I didn't watch both of your interviews, but I watched the last one, and I thought, I always was taught that was a future event of destructions and things in the earth, and oh, my goodness. And so I'm, I was on a I'm tilt, but kind of a good tilt because that's really good news. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So I'm just going to throw that. Out. Okay, I won't yeah. interrupt anymore. <laughs> no, but it's it's a good point there because that's the part I guess we do have to review just a second. On yeah. is who is worthy worthy to open the seals and unloose, um, open the scroll and loose the seals. And so I was explaining, I forget to carry with me today, I had put together this scroll and the seals would be on the outside and they kind of set it in reverse. Who is worthy to open the seals and to get to the scroll? But he had to get into the scroll so that he could then release the seals from inside. I won't go into that again because that was explained then in the previous time as well. So we're saying that this is not the reading of the scroll that's taking place beginning in Revelation chapter 6. It is what's in the seal and what he has just broken. And it goes with the whole picture. He has made us kings and priests to our God. Mm. And so it is about authority now given to us. And so it would make no sense if all of a sudden it's like you're now kings and priests. There's a new song being sung in heaven. But, you know, you're, you're kings and priests, but you don't really have an authority because this particular demon has an authority to take out a third. This one's going to take out a fourth and there's death and destruction and all that. So we're saying what was interrupted at that time is um, the authority that had been gained. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth is now mine. Go therefore, disciple. And so all 
and by all it means all. So when it says, and it was given to them to do, uh, you know, to do this and that and the other, speaking of the enemy, the bad horses and whatever, it couldn't be after that because he had just said all authority is given uh, to me because of what he did on the cross. He paid the price. So that's part of, you know, uh, again, if this is the first time you're joining the conversation, you need to go back into that. I can't repeat that part of it every time, the explanation. Mm-hmm. Of it. But we want to go into the opening of the second seal uh, today. And again, this works best if you have heard at minimum the previous one. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, among the comments, we'll have people saying, you're giving us too much at one time. But then they ask, why didn't you say this? It's like, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I have to cover a lot of ground just so it's it's it stands on its own. Um, but I also want to mention here, uh, Steve, is that yeah. I understand people are going to ask as well. So there was the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. And oh, right. That's right. Amazing messages from them. And um, and so it's actually so amazing. I can't get into it. It's it's too much already. I believe there's going to be uh, after the third race, the Belmont, there's going to be um, a putting together of of a great message from. When heaven. is the Belmont? How far away is that? You know, I don't know, actually. OK, um, but it has to be. <clears throat> usually only a couple more weeks or something, you know. Okay. Two or three All weeks. right. So not too long. And either I'll have to, because it's also, we want to keep going with these, um, the opening of the seals because there's, uh, it, it's not just uh, telling us that it was done. It is instructive as to how the enemy has attempted to do what he, what he does on those mountains. And, um, and so I don't want to depart from that. So I'll either, either have to just do a write up, on on the on the horses or steve I might request us doing a special program on the side sure. where we yeah where we, we can do, do that we can do a special do that. happily so so um this part's just a, again a little bit left over a couple of things from our last i won't say last week because we were in israel but uh two weeks ago and um i just think um that it's important for this to be a, a final and I'm going to, I, I, we will take the review time to look at Revelation chapter six, what we already covered, because it was so short. Revelation chapter six, the first seal. Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I behold and looked a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So I pointed out that that was not a good white horse that was Lucifer. And, and we explained it all, all the meaning of the words and, and things like that. But I want us um, as a couple of points of, of finishing, uh, finishing that we want to uh, note that in revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, it does tell us about the legitimate white horse rider uh, who's different. Verse 11 of revelation 19. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and in True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, not just a crown, but many crowns. He had such a difference between the fake white horse and the real white horse. He has many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name oh. is called the word of God. It's describing wow. 
Jesus. There is, if if you want to know what's the difference, there's the difference established. We didn't lay that out last time. And it was pointed out that that, um, that Lucifer uh, is the principality, is the the characteristic of Satan, what he looks like on that mountain as the enlightened, the illuminated one, uh, the fake white, the fake light, the fake um, uh, glowing um, uh, figure that, you know, pretends to be. He, he transforms himself into an angel of light, as the scripture tells us, but he's not. And we learned that that word that was used for bow when we went into the deep uh, meaning of the word, the Greek and all that really connected to basically a syringe and that there has been a depopulation plan that the, he who was on a white horse went around to conquer, conquering and to conquer, to depopulate using. And, and the word there is needle. It could be missile. It could be uh, because it, it applies to several different words. It could be a bow, the arrow that's tipped at the end. And somebody was pointing out in my comments, and I and I read that that I didn't realize that Robin Bullock had had shared earlier. I don't know the context of it because I didn't hear it from him. Just a comment yeah. that he was uh, he knew about this thing that it was a, a needle that this white horse, the seal number one, uh, was carrying, and that you know the crown he carried, uh, crown in in uh, in the Latin is corona, and so there's a corona and a syringe. And that this is actually a strategy from way back how the enemy has intended to go about depopulating. And, you know, you can go back 200 years if people did well, actually 300 years um, when Benjamin Franklin was in early 1700s. He ran afoul of the famous Mathers brothers who were the Puritan leaders, Cotton Mathers, uh, you know, famed pastors because they were for. Uh, the fight that they were having was they were for everyone getting inoculated, getting the vaccines against smallpox. And he thought it best. And most of Boston agreed with Benjamin Franklin that they were getting sicker from the uh, the, the inoculations they were really? taking. Really? Really? So it was like, that's a whole nother thing we might cover later on, that there wow. is a, this is not something fresh and new. <clears throat> this has been a strategy that goes way back. And I'm not saying that there wasn't a vaccine that was helpful for smallpox. What's the reality is they've been, they've been, um, you know, theoretically curing something while planting something in behind it that is destructive for you. So you have something that takes care perhaps of smallpox and that will be a a perhaps, but it's releasing some other kind of. uh, Well, and can I just say this real quick, not to get off the track, but every time you see a commercial of some new drug, and they run and run and run, and they, they spend more time telling you all the things that are going to go wrong in your body. And going, so they created a fix, and they loaded it up with new diseases. And we haven't ever figured that out yet. We just figured yeah. they can all, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, anyway. So that was, that was point number one uh, as a review from uh, last week and adding to it just a little bit. But it wasn't just that it's the crown corona, but it, that there was some level of authority that was gained in the garden through man's sin. And they honestly, they, they, it was regained after Noah as well when there was a restarting up because the sin that took place then was allowing the enemy to have authority. But that's what Jesus eliminated was their right to that authority. And so all that uh, their lacks is resolved sons and daughters of the king who realized that our king 
pay the price with his blood so that all authority in heaven and earth is now his. And he hands it to us and he says, go and disciple nations, not just convert people. And so that's part of um, what we want to be uh, aware of. And so the other scripture is, and I don't have time to explain the scripture, but we mentioned that it's Lucifer himself that operates as the principality of the mountain of government. He's always going for government. He always wants the seat of God. That's what he's he's after. All the other seven uh, of the seven mountains, we'll, we, we name a different principality. But the revelation that I got, no time to explain it here, is that the uh, the archangel, that there's an archangel for each one of the mountains, the archangel for the mountain of uh, of government is one named Uriel, U-R-I-E-L, would mm-hmm. be mentioned in the books of Enoch. And it means, it all, you know, all the archangels, their names end in L, Gabriel, Gabriel, Raphael, Michael, and it all refers to him because they have an aspect of his face to be restored uh, into society. And so Uriel, flame of, you know, the Uri has to do with being a flame of fire, his flame of flame of fire. But I believe he's the angel that's described in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And cried out with a loud, loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. But this is one angel, perhaps one archangel, that it says he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. That is a huge um, wow. archangel. Yeah. And whether that's him or not, you can be assured that if whoever we have as archangel of the mountain of government is going to be at least that impressive. And so here's here's one described in ways like you would think it's the description of God. Um, mm. There's a rainbow was on his head because that's part of carrying what operates around the throne room of God is a full rainbow. That's why he said, I'm never going to have to destroy earth again. I'm going to release um, I'm going to release enough power and I'm going to have through the redemption process that Jesus brought and the Holy Spirit that was sent. We will now have a way to have victory ultimately without having to resort to wipe out of, of earth again. Again, we're just covering quickly some. Yeah, profound. that's good. That's really good. Uh, good reminder, too. Yeah, a, a good reminder. Yeah. So, OK, now we're going to go to the second seal. And that's what we want to. And I'm going to uh, read that to you now. It's also not very Not very many verses at all. We're in Revelation chapter 6. And and when he opened the second, and it's verse 3. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Now, um, before we get into kind of uh, line upon line of, of understanding this, we want to, I want to go ahead and say that, you know, there are so many different perceptions and opinions of the book of Revelation, what it's about. And a point I continually make is that it starts out, gives the parameters of it, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we make the book of Revelation 
to be about anything else as its priority, we are missing the way the author of it himself, um, his his descriptive uh, title for what's taking place. And I like to say, uh, whether it's precisely this way or not, that the book of Revelation is best understood like putting together a thousand piece puzzle. Hmm. And um, for those who've ever done that, I'm known as somewhat of an aficionado to do uh, to do that. And so um, what you do is if you for those who've ever done bigger puzzles, really any size puzzle, yeah. but particularly bigger puzzles, you start with the edge pieces, you find mm-hmm. edge pieces, you know, and you don't just pick one up and go, OK, where does this go? Like <laughs> you have no no way to properly process it. And there's a lot of people that throw questions to me, even in our comments. Right? What about this? What about that? What about the others? Like it's rando pieces of puzzle. You just want where does where does this go? Well, you have to build it uh, around edge pieces first. And so That's for. Good. Uh, for us, the edge pieces are that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so anything that you try to find a place has to fit into the edge pieces of this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then uh, then you look for the clear pictures. If you're doing puzzles, you're like, okay, what's, you know, you don't want to just do sky because it's like, oh, my goodness, sky, sky, sky. That's hard to do. And so you find some scenes that you can build out. And I believe that the clearest ones from the book of Revelation or Revelation four and five that we have been covering in the last uh, uh, few weeks. And so we're building out the picture of, of the book of Revelation. I don't have it all. I don't have all the puzzles, puzzles in a place. And so some, if people want me to, again, they're asking about, uh, I won't, I won't say what things I consider obscure, but obscure things. What about this? When is this? What do those mean? How does that? I don't have all 1000 pieces of this, uh, of, the, of my hands so they can show. I don't have all 1000 pieces of it picked out, but I know we build out with what is clearly available to us. And then as we're, you know, if you've done the puzzle, you often have to try about 50 pieces in one place. And it's like, that's not it. Well, that looked you know, like can, it. And can I just make a comment, too? Because all, all these commentators through the years that, that I end up hearing on the radio, it's like the, it feels like they have to know every single thing and what it means. And so they they concrete it in or cement it in. And that I see there's a lack of wisdom and there's more wisdom in what you're saying. You're saying, I don't have all the pieces. Don't ask me to give you every piece. Right. No. You get the big pieces or the, the puzzle, the uh, edges. And some people are better at some of the other pieces, but I still think there is a strategy wisdom that the Lord has that, and I think, again, we can read it again, but you could go read, we should start with verse one of Revelation chapter one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, yeah. those things that would shortly take place. And so two things, it's telling us that this is really about Jesus Christ, and then it says shortly would take place, is that the bulk of what we're seeing would take place perhaps 70 AD when Titus uh ran over Jerusalem and raised the walls of uh, uh, of Jerusalem and of the temple, I should say. Well, both. And then they really had a kind of another revisitation of that, like 130, 131, 132 um, AD. There was a, almost a repeat destruction of, of Jerusalem um, to the point where you know, there, there's some of these things here in Revelation. You're like, well, they could they could apply 
uh, to both scenarios. And so we have even um, people like Josephus and, and then other historians that have written how, you know, really, if it didn't happen, one of these, you could say it really took place in the other. And there's really then a third time. So these things that we're waiting to take place in our own day, there's many to most of them. Can you can you just say before you leave that you said there was one and then there was one at a later date. What was the later date that you gave gave that it could have applied? Some things could have applied to like even the third date. Uh, yeah, the, well, or the second one, the later one, well, the, the second, second one, one is um, unfortunately. Um, even though I was just in Israel, we were going over the names are are, are hard to say yeah. and whatnot. There was a second rebellion. The it was led by. Um, somebody named Bar, somebody from um, from from the Jews. I think mm-hmm. because I'm slightly jet lagged, my memory yeah, that's okay. That's a little right. bit lagged coming in. I'll often have that on my on my um, you know tip of my my lips, ready ready to ready to say that. Um, but there was uh, and there was you know rather than it being Nero, there was somebody whose name starts with a D was uh, was the emperor. And so there was, but basically the reality is that they thought they had wiped them out in 70 AD, but they came back and they were rebelling once again. Wow. So there was a relentlessness to the Jews. And so that, that wipe out, they wanted to change uh, for forever. And so based on that, they actually uh, renamed it Palestine in order that they were hoping to keep um, any thoughts of rebuilding or coming back to take place. And so it's an interesting part of the storyline as well. But because we have people that even there's some level of argument of whether the book of Revelation, if John wrote it before 70 A.D. or after. Hmm. And I do believe it was uh, before. But I will tell those who because some comments are like, no, it was after. And so therefore, the 70 A.D. couldn't take place. Well, if it was after there was a uh, a 131, I forget the exact year uprising where almost identical um, devastations Really, place I never, over a million I never Jews. realized that. I had no idea that yes. that happened. Hmm. So it it would apply um, either way. So what I what I want to do here, Steve, I'm gonna. So I shared before how I wrote this book called The Seven Seals, and um, I wrote it in 2012, and really have kept it. The only person that I, I shared it with Peter Wagner at the time, who had not gone on to his inheritance at that point, hmm. and um, and. Uh, you know, he applauded it and said, Johnny, this will be important. Um, and and so, but I felt like I didn't, there's a couple of things, didn't feel like um, uh, the body of Christ wasn't even quite ready for the first part of the message yeah. I was giving. And I didn't feel like they were ready. And I also had some, speaking of some pieces of the puzzle, even in that I felt like we're missing. And and several of those have been um, been been made obvious to me now. And so, um, there's people say, well, couldn't you go ahead and release that book? Um, and, and so, you know, I, I have a few additions to, to give to it. So this is, you will not find it anywhere else. There's people asking, you have a teaching, a book or any, it's not anywhere. This is okay. straight from a book that hasn't uh, been released. And so we want to go into the second seal. And so we want to, again, learn some, some things, um, from it. So I'm going to read it again. Um, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see. Uh, and so this thing of come and see is something for us to ponder on just for a moment as well, because that just sounds like not as big a deal as it actually is. We, we, we know from another scripture, it talks about seeing the kingdom in order to enter in the kingdom. We make a connection with the quantum world 
what has baffled the experts, uh, the expert so-called scientists in that whole department of the, of the micro tiny, the subatomic particle level is how does it become activated by being observed that it knows when it's being observed and it becomes activated when it knows it's being observed. And then depending on who is observing it, it activates to a different degree. That's crazy. Yeah, that is, it is. Explains faith to us as, as well. Faith is the substance there. So it's an actual substance of things hoped for. So eyes of faith literally activate things. And so there will be people according to what you can see, you will activate and if you understand him as being alpha and omega, micro and macro, he is at the micro, uh, micro tiny. He is there. That's who's there. Hello, it's me. And then at the macro level, we read that he is the God that rejoices over us with dancing. So he's this, um, you know, he's this spinning energy presence of himself at the micro and at the macro that's that's there in, in every way. And so, but there's something about come and see doesn't just mean come and see. This now activates what he is releasing, which is authority over what has been ruling with some level of authority. Another horse, fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And again, that was out of Revelation 6, 3 and 4. So the second seal is open. And a living creature instructs John to come and see the reality of the next mountain of influence. Um, I'll point out again that this is not the reading of the scroll. So this is different. So, again, if you remember the whole thing John saw and that made him weep is there is the father sitting on his throne and he's holding a scroll and said, who is worthy to open this thing and read the scroll was one of the times that it was said. And this is not the reading of the scroll. There's opening and loosing the seals. It was what was actually the angel was after. So this is not the reading of the scroll, but the picture within the seal, because that's what they said. Come and see. Come and see the seal. Come and see the where the authority has been lost in the area where the authority has been lost. So the picture within the seal. John sees a fiery red horse and a rider on it. The red horse takes peace from the earth and has a sword for people to kill one another is what we read there. So as we follow the sequence of Revelation 5.12, if you remember the new song that broke out in heaven, worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom, et cetera, et cetera, mm. seven different attributes. So power was number one. That was the mountain of government. This now goes in exact the same order. The next area is riches, which applies to the mountain of economy or business. So that's the part we want to look into today. Revelation 17 and verse 3 tells us of the great harlot Babylon, who sits on a scarlet beast. We're not going to read the scripture. You know about it. Um, And so, but it's called Babylon, and it's also called harlot, but it tells us she sits on a scarlet or red beast. Remember, this was on a fiery red horse. Um, This connects the red horse and its rider. And speaks of mammons. So the rider on this horse is going to be the principality of the mountain of economy, which is mammon. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'll slow down, let that soak in just a little bit. Say, Rebel- say, well, let's say that statement again, though, that you said slow down. So say that statement. <clears throat> that disconnects. So we're, we're finding out that it says that on uh, back to the open, another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. So I'm telling you who sat on it was mammon. 
Mammon is the principality of the mountain of riches. And how does he take peace from the earth? If we just get to that point uh, quickly, well, what is mammon? Mammon is uh, an insatiable appetite for more. So we would say greed would be another word. And so when you fall under mammon, you get thrown into fear, greed cycles. Um, You either have the euphoria of, you know, I have the golden finger, thumb, and everything's going to work out for me just perfectly, or you go into gloom. So it's up, down, uh, you know, uh, I say Hollywood, Washington. Um, Wall Street makes no bones about the the fact that they operate on a fear-greed model. They're up and down. That's what the markets do. And and as it goes up and as it goes down, they'll say, there's a lot of fear right now. And there's a lot of good feeling, a lot of euphoria right now. And so it goes up and down. That means whenever they're describing it that way, that's not operating as the kingdom of heaven at Mm -hmm. all. That's operating under the principality of mammon. That's what you're left to when he's in charge, when he's riding the horse, when he's ruling and reigning. That's how he takes peace. Um, And so it says that the other horse fiery red. And so we're connecting that with even what's called the scarlet whore in the book of Revelation later on. So again, hopefully people are following this. You can, you know, what I tell people when you're saying you're covering, you're doing it too fast. You can hit pause. You can hit pause. (laughs) That's good. Right. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's something Steve and I are not doing, but you can do that. And so the, the red horse is taking peace from the earth and has a sword for people to kill uh, one another is what we're what we're reading up. So uh, we're not going there. But Revelation 18 tells us of the final falling of Babylon, the great uh, Babylon, the great has fallen, has fallen. Mm. And which confirms to us that this spirit is its destiny is displacement from the mountain of economy. And that's what the Lord showed me. I am removing the mafia from the mountains. That would be the mafia, the top mafia guy on the mountain of economy, Mammon. Um, And so we want to explain that there is an economy of heaven that operates under an entirely different manner. It operates under Jehovah Jireh, uh, for instance, one of his names, the Lord, our provision, the Lord who is provider, the Lord, our provision. And it will displace the principality of Mammon. In a moment, I'll tell also about the archangel that I was shown is the archangel for the mountain of economy. So we understand who fights with us and for us and around us. Uh, it will displace the mountain of uh, the principality of Mammon, which operates again under an insatiable appetite of more. Whatever you get, you need more because um, you know when when you're making hundreds and you think if I just had thousands, I'd feel mm. secure. And then you don't, and then you get thousands. Like, really, if I had 10,000s, I would. And then it's like, no, if I had hundreds of thousands, and and then it's like, no, I would be really secure if there were millions. And then you get the millions, like, no, yeah, I think it's 10 millions. And it, you think I'm making this up, but I have interacted with people um, for a long time, for decades, and found out that there is no, that I think perhaps the person that is almost most anguished about and ask specific prayer for us to come to the house for, uh, uh, you know, to, to pray over them emotionally and everything was a billionaire who um, it's just, it's just like the, the pressure of what he was under. And, and of course, when you have a payroll of 50 million a month and, and you're having trouble making that, even when you have a, a billion, there's, there's stress associated with it. So the idea uh, that there is a certain amount that will calm your fear hmm. is, 
is a lie that comes with that that spirit as well. So um, back to this writer, Mammon. Mammon is the writer this, on, on the red horse. Is uh, The fiery red horse is given authority to take peace from anyone or anywhere where he is being served. Anywhere or anyone in the world where he is being served, regardless of whether he is being served knowingly or not. Again, the principality of Mammon operates with this insatiable appetite of more, and he releases, I'm going to say that again, the fear-greed cycles that dominate really uh, just Wall Street and and just normal processing for those in the mountain of uh, economy. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Um, And so people, you'll find them either in the panic or the euphoric cycle that has to do with being under mammon. Now, to remind you, he undid the authority. He no longer does what he has to do, what he does. Mammon no longer has authority. He did have authority. It was broken. That's what took place at the cross. All authority in heaven and earth is mine now. Go, therefore, with resolve, enforce my way of doing it. Let me ask you a quick question. When you say mammon and he takes it, um, this is probably a dumb question, but it's occurred to me. So I'm going to add, how do we, are you saying this mammon is an, a principality, a spirit, or is it just the the evilness of mammon that's just accomplishing this. It's a principality, but it's okay. a way of thought. Okay. You'll find this out. Again, I've said before, I've cast out uh, thousands of demons from people. And it's amazing that, uh, for instance, the spirit of hate hates. Yeah. A spirit of lust lusts. Yeah. Spirit of fear fears. Like they, the person who has it, when that spirit is on them, it, it manifests in that that kind of way. So yeah. a mammon demon is going to um, release who it is. Yeah, and 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 that's what it is. So it, yeah, it is. You know, somebody might be saying, well, "I thought mammon was just greed." Well, there's a demon that's that's okay. operating behind that's it, a high level, a high level demon. Um, and saying greed is just a little simplistic, but that's that's a good enough yeah. good good, good enough way to uh, to start with. So um, the reason that stress and finance so often go hand in hand is because we give stress legal access into our lives when we yield to the influence of the now illegal rider on that fiery red horse, that being mammon. This applies at both a personal level and at a national level. Much of the illness released upon us is directly attributable attributable not so much to an attack of sickness but because it has been released upon us through financial stress again i'm writing this 11 years ago and we find out there are intentional things they're doing to release disease and sickness upon us as well but it's under it's understood that stress opens a door brings down your immune system so attacks that come in different ways you can't overcome um it will say even the other ways they're trying to kill us they being if you just directly the globalist uh, and all that part of the depopulation agenda, again, the governmental component of it, as expressed through Lucifer riding the white horse and carrying the, the needle and the coronas um, in his attempt to reduce population. So 
as we go through these seven seals, what you're going to find out, it's strategically giving us understanding of how the enemy has operated. And he does so as well moving forward, not with authority, though. It just lacks sons and daughters of the kings being kings and priests to our God. Double level of authority that we carry. That's why we're going to keep rehitting that over and over. That's the part we re, that we've um, that we've not properly understood and carried because we're like, okay, well, if he already did it, why is there still a problem? Yeah. I mean, that there, question is going to keep coming up, and even the people that are trying to walk it out, which I'm trying to walk it out, then I'll, I'll come up to this thing. Why are you making me beg you for the f- very things you want me to do? I'll sometimes think, and that's not true. He doesn't make us beg for anything. But, yeah. So we just, here's an easy way. So let's say you're an officer of the law and you see these cars going by 100 miles an hour. You're like, but we put up a speed limit sign at 70. <laughs> Look what they're doing. How, how's that? And, <laughs> and it's like, you're an officer of the law. Stop it. So that's how we, we're officers of the law. We're officers kings and priests. We carry double levels of authority. We won't repeat that message from before. But things that are out of order, we're not just to ask why is that still happening. Yeah, yeah, we okay, are. that's a real, that's really good, Johnny. So, the, so you don't sit there and say why is this happening? Go take, go take charge. Go take, take care. Stop. And that's a whole other conversation. That's How do good. we do it? Yeah, but we show up in some kind of way. Yeah, that's where we go to this thing. There's prayers. There's decrees. There's showing up. There's, uh, uh, and that's the part. At least let's let the conversation go that far. But yeah. it's not like we're waiting for God to establish. We need a law that says you can't speak. The law is there. We need a law that mammon can't just affect us like that. Well, well you know, and I, you know, I know you don't listen to all the prophets, and they all don't listen to you because they try to keep their slate. You know. Yeah. But Johnny, um, Robin will is um, a, a obsessed, not obsessed in a bad way, but he he's obsessed with this. Stop saying he'll say god's in control god's not in control or bubble and he'll he, he puts it back on the person to take action and i see what he's saying i could argue a bit of the other side but he's he's actually in an, from another angle saying exactly what you're saying it is you know i could go into deeper conversation on yeah. <clears throat> some of it's a nuance of is god yeah. in control or not he's sovereign but not in control can he take control he has a right to because all authority is his in heaven yeah. and in earth. Yeah. So he has sovereign's right to do what he wants. Um, and so in that, he can touch things and matters uh, to change them um, as he wishes. But since he's looking for sons and daughters to rule with him, and That's since he's good. releasing authority of kings and priests to us, there are consequences. You go back and read the promises and the blessings, the blessings and the cursings for Israel out of Deuteronomy. Part of the cursings and blessings. If you do not basically step up to the plate with the authority and responsibility you, you were given, you're going to get, uh, you're going to have consequences. So that's why it takes yeah. a while sometimes to have that full, full conversation. That's good. Um, and good. so it's technically, yeah. I mean, his, he has a higher ability to do it himself, but his, his greater purpose is to train us to do it and release us to do it and see us do it. So he could this do it, like, but he doesn't want he to. Exactly. Why did he put Adam and Eve in the garden to start with? Yeah. He surely didn't put him in there to help him take care of Satan. He can take <laughs> care of Satan with one word, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three. Satan, you're done. 
And and so, you know, and Satan is how, let there be Lucifer was how he created him. Let there not be Lucifer and it's done. He has that capability. He's God. You cannot put a limit on what he can do. And it's only voluntary limits because he's working a storyline. He's working a plan. And if he commits to a plan, when you know he's committed to the plan, you know he's not just going to take care of everything that he's assigned us to take care of. And so, but we work with him on that. We need his help. And, uh, but greater is he that is in you, that is that he is in the world. So if he already is, you know, he's got a plan where he's like, I already know that what I put in you is greater than all the resistance. Um, then I'm not just going to clean up for you. Every yeah, it's kind of like, he's not going to unfamily a family. He's got a family. He's going to do something with the family. He's not going to unfamily it and do it himself. He's just not going to, you know, so. And we think of uh, Satan as being God's adversary, but he lets us know your adversary, the devil. So he considers the devil our adversary, not his. He's not worthy to be his adversary. He's, you know, he he just, he he has no capability uh, to challenge him. He, you know, he's not like one-tenth of God, one-third of God. You may heard, okay, there's one-third the angels. We're only twice as, no. Um, That's the, the person, I don't know, I don't think people understand that. Why do we even think that we only have two-thirds more angels because we've heard that somewhere extrapolating from scripture. But who made them? Who who puts limits on God saying, um, I would like 30 trillion more angels right now. It's like they tie hands and say, well, I just lost a third of my power. I gave, I don't have as many angels as hmm, I used. I wonder what I'll do. I'll go sit, let's see. Maybe we'll do what I did last time. Okay, let there be. And so it's like, so there is no challenge to his power. Yeah. He's growing us up and he's teaching us responsibility. And there are consequences when we don't uh, we don't step the plate. OK, so let's go back to I say some of the this is why I wrote this 11 years ago. So some of the founding fathers of the United States seem to have had some revelation on on this subject. They had in God we trust inscribed upon all our money. You know, some were perhaps would say, well. Uh, um, money is our God was a secret message. Uh, they were they were saying in God we trust and this is it. But that's not really. We know we at least had some of our founding fathers that clearly leaned on God in that kind of way. Yeah. So they had in God we trust inscribed upon all our money. If we could live out what is written on our dollar bills today, we would be out from under the power of the Red Rider. We would not be under the power of Mammon if we could really practice in God we trust. Uh, to really practice in God we trust is to live under the banner of Jehovah Jireh. There, um, there is, we're in process. A latter-day transfer of wealth into the household of God is taking place and will take place and will be accelerated. But it will require um, uh, those who have displaced mammon from his rule over their personal lives to be those that are considered for that which comes from him, that w- comes from this type of reward. Once again, this is not a matter of whether we have power or authority. The only question is whether we will have the the resolve to enforce it. I'm going to say that part again, the resolve uh, to enforce it. Uh, The only remaining authority that mammon has is to the degree mammon has rule over us. So to the degree mammon rules over you personally, to that degree, um, you do not have authority. But he already took all the authority, whatever authority uh, that was lost in the garden or even after Noah, that authority for the enemy to rule and reign through this fiery red um, horse is no longer there. So we want to 
we want to think of that again, back to a point we were just making. If we're officers of the law, officers of the kingdom, kingdom ambassadors, the resolve to enforce what has already legally taken place is what we really have to uh, up, up the ante on and really yeah. be able to uh, grow in. So, and you know, another way to look at it, every time you, every time you open your wallet, we know it's not so much about opening your wallet every time now, but uh, symbolically, every time you open your wallet, write a check, et cetera, et cetera, it's a test. It's a test. What you write, the numbers you write, every time there is a test where you're being looked at and is, are you under, in God I trust? Are you under mammon, fear, greed cycle? And processing things from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's see, critical thinking. I'm hearing there's a lot of people afraid in the nation right now. I need to back off on this. And it's like, when we're in under the influence of, of mammon in that kind of way, we are not operating under the kingdom dynamic that's available for us of a kingdom economy. So the next thing this passage says of the right of the red horse is that he has authority that they should kill one another. Um, as a cursory study of history will reveal, most war, wars are at their essence economic wars. If a war is not economic at its root, it's usually a religious war. Hmm. And many of so-called religious wars are more about economic power than they appear as well. So even there, even when it's a re- quote religious uh, war, it's about the control of economy. So though this writer has been legally deprived of his authority by what the lamb did, he releases wars throughout the earth in the absence of kingdom enforcers. It's another term. Think of you're called to be a kingdom enforcer. Kings and priests are kingdom enforcers. This writer carries, it says, a great sword, and there are enormous casualties from his ways. So again, it almost it's almost insane how we thought that this was some future judgment when any, again, I'll say cursory study of history will tell you that the, the hundreds of millions ultimately that have died in wars that have died uh, through all kinds of violence, even uh, intentionally caused famines in certain nations. This has been by this ruling principality of the mountain of economy. So to think like, no, I thought that was in the future. It's like, what what worse thing could it do than what it's been doing? It's been devastating the planet for forever. Mm. And and again, you just look at history, you see this spirit has been active. And so we go to the point, the legal point, Jesus took away its authority. The lamb that was slain removed its authority. When it when he broke the seal, he broke their legal power to keep doing that. And all that's left is for kings and priests to stand up, become kingdom enforcers, be resolved in the authority he's given you through prayers, through declarations, through showing up. But you have to carry a different mindset, a different identity, and you cannot have this uh, surrender mindset of, well, you know, it's what it says in Revelation. This is what they, this, this must be the opening of that seal now. That seal has been opened and it has been canceled. And the only way the enemy, only reason he continues to do what he's been doing is because we have not disagreed with him enough. Again, think a uh, re- repeat story that's a visible 
uh, p- picture for us uh, in a whole nother way for those who went to Israel. We went to the Valley of Elah where David and, and Goliath stood. And so for 40 days, you have all of Israel shaking and it will say they're greatly in fear, including their seven foot king, King Saul. They're greatly in fear from a man and from an army that they would chase uh, with no new weapons within hours. Within minutes, when David shows up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He was a kingdom enforcer, and he knew the legality of the matter. He's like, this guy is in our territory. He's our land. He's defying what our God gave to our great-grandfather Abraham, and he knew the legalities. And because he knew the legalities of the situation, he had a different fire that burned inside of him. And so he became a kingdom enforcer. And then out of that, there wasn't just they had great victory that day where they chased him uh, into many cities, but a whole army of David's mighty men came from that because he's like, wow, he operates to a different identity, a different storyline, a different narrative. And so that same shift needs to take place as part of the purpose why we're going through these seals is like, this is not something we're waiting to happen. The only reason it's still happening in some way, what's what we're what we're talking about in these seals is because we have not had the same kind of kingdom resolve that David had. We have not seen the picture. We have not seen the narrative the way we're supposed to. Because of that, we have allowed things to take place that have no right to take place. Yeah. All right. So um, the kingdom of God's financial system operates almost mm-hmm. in an opposite manner from the consensus financial, quote, wisdom of this world. The world system functions by capitalizing, leveraging, taking, and hoarding. Mm-hmm. Our God system, on the other hand, functions by giving, honoring, sowing, loving. At times, the world knows how to apparently mix these two approaches, but it's often to create a carefully crafted public image. In other words, the ultimate motivation for charity is often a desire to position oneself for even more. Um, And so it's it's not a a legitimate uh, operation of a kingdom of God economy at all. Uh, Behind it all uh, lurks mammon in his various deceitful disguises. And again, he will even invade churches and get behind the given it shall be given principles, but mammon actually rules at the core there, using that just as sort of its cover as as the lie. So, um, you know, put another way on another way, on earth as in heaven, we know that scripture, uh, Jesus said the Lord's Prayer, pray this way, Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, in heaven, we, we, we're going to have all our, our talents. We're going to be who we are. We're going to have our giftedness. Um, but there will be no buying or selling. There is no buying or selling in heaven. I don't know if people, that's maybe another time for another conversation. But if it's on earth as it is in heaven, we want to understand realities of the kingdom of God um, that we are talking about. There's only giving and sharing. So in heaven, there's only giving and sharing. Um, So it's not a bad time now to discover if the talent and giftedness that we are functioning with will have any reason to exist in heaven. And so uh, ultimately, how you can uniquely spread kindness, ultimately, how you can uniquely spread kindness will be your kingdom assignment. So you may be shifting from what you presently do to just being what you're something else that brings life and joy to others. That's the way the kingdom economy functions. 
It's not you create and you make something, then you sell it to somebody. Whatever you do, I think maybe Cat Curry said, you know, there's cookies. You, you, you'll have uh, somebody who makes chocolate chip cookies excellently. They'll have their little store and they'll give them. And then somebody who makes something else will give them something back. It's not really bartering. It's just everyone being in this kind of. You know, she said one time uh, that it stuck with me is that uh, when a conversation had happened that went awry and I all I said was this. Whatever it was, and the Lord said, "What was it that you intended to sow into that person's life?" And I was like, "Oh, you mean this? This conversation should have been about giving, and only giving something good." So anyway, that's what made me think of that, Johnny. No, so you know, many when you get to heaven, if you haven't figured that part out, you might have to go to some remedial school <laughs> to get that taken care of because we're not this. The, the way it, it, it matters for us now, we're waiting, and it's been prophesied and spoken, particularly, we'll say, in our prophetic circles of the transfer of wealth. Yeah. The transfer of wealth, you're not even in a position to um, to make your appeal uh, before heaven or your decrees or declarations if you still have um, foundations of mammon operating in your life. So that becomes something important to uh, get rid of. All right, so let's... Uh, move into uh, finishing this part have uh, this part of um, this part of understanding the second seal. So um, let me see. I Behind it all soon. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's the wrong page. Okay. Okay. I have to turn this page right here and get, make sure I get the right, uh, the right notes. We're talking about mammon. In order to displace the enemy on this mountain, we must be free of the influence of his influence in our lives. I'll say that one more time. In order to displace the enemy on the mountain of economy, we must be free of his influence in our own lives. I'll say it one more time. In order to displace the enemy on this mountain, we must be free of his influence, mammon's influence in our own lives. So one way we do that is we're faithful in the little. He who is faithful in the little, you're going to be faithful in the greater things. For those of you who think, well, you know, I don't really... I'm not generous. I don't care about other people. I don't give, but I don't have anything. But I know as soon as I get a lot of money, I'm going to be generous. Well, it work that way. Doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. We, we all know that. Even as a, you know, the longer you be, you're around your ministry circles, you understand uh, a tightwad remains a tightwad at every level, and so that's, you know, that's a, <laughs> a base way of, of saying it. So. Uh, hidden treasures will abound for those who allow God to do the breaking and refining that is necessary. The earth is already full of the glory of the Lord and included as part of that glory is natural wealth. God is ready to reveal many of those hidden treasures to those who are functioning as his kings and priests on earth. The hidden treasures can be secret strategies, unusual favor or witty inventions. I'll say witty disruptive inventions. They can even be prophetic insight into actual hidden treasure. And as I pointed out before, and I had written this back then, the Lord has used me to prophesy of this type of hidden treasures in various nations in a very specific way. In the spirit, I've seen gold mines, silver mines, zinc mines, salt mines, precious stones mines, and ancient lost city, all of which were subsequently discovered by those receiving the prophecy. In other venues, I've shared powerful stories and testimonies related to these discoveries. And this is what I wrote in 2012. The total wealth from them exceed $500 billion. I had counted up at that time, I think, uh, a low estimate of what the treasures that I had seen and prophesied discovered was $500 billion. uh, Um, 
And so a question comes, were those minds that I saw prophetically there before I prophesied them? I say, I don't know. But when you understand who our God is, it really doesn't matter. It's still just him. He has an entirely alternate economic system from which to manifest his wealth. His system can spread throughout the world and infiltrate existing financial systems. It can function side by side with mammon systems, looking the same from the outside while being sourced in entirely different fashion. God is anxious to greatly show off his wealth. He waits only for men and women of faith and integrity. Your faith and integrity are demonstrated during and after your smaller breakthroughs. Say that again. Your faith and integrity are demonstrated during and after your lesser breakthroughs, your smaller breakthroughs. And and tell you that one part that you just read, that was phenomenal. You said God is anxious to or something to show off his wealth. That's an incredible statement right there. Wow. And it's, I can give you the scriptures for it, but Isaiah 60, arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold the darkness, a deep darkness, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen on you. And you look at that word glory in the original Hebrew there. One of the clear words is is riches and wealth. And actually, if you look at the way it's used in Isaiah 60 later on, and then Isaiah 61 is the glory of the nations will come to you. And it's clearly talking about wealth. So it's not just that we're making that up. Uh, We could uh, give you more scriptures as well. God is anxious to greatly show off his wealth. His kings and priests who understand the Isaiah 61 call as well to rebuild cities, ancient ruins, the desolations of many generations. Hmm. He wants to make an open show of the superiority of his economic system. If you want to know, people like to do the language of we're going to take over the mountain. The takeover of mountains is not about Christians now running things. Uh, it's about his better way of doing things being now the standard, the new standard, where greed and leveraging dominated as the science of the mountain of economy. There's a whole new science that takes over where it's like, no, if you obey God, he'll show you treasures. And if you remain generous, he'll keep showing you more and he'll allow you to do great things. And that becomes the new mindset of a whole mountain. That's how you, quote, take a mountain. It's not taking over people because you're Christian and they're not. So that's another thing. All right, we're, we're winding up here. The greatness of his system will be revealed to those who understand his biblical principles, of which the greatest is his desire for relationship and communion with us. To those who pursue him on those terms, he ultimately reveals himself himself not just as the Lord, my provider, but as the Lord, my provision. He doesn't just lead us to sources and resources. He himself is the source and resource. He can provide something out of the mere existence of himself. Manna from heaven and water from the rock were just examples of God's demonstration that he could and can provide. Anything, anywhere. Um, and that was during when, while they were only in survival fair and not, I'll call thrive fair, because that's what their 40 years in the wilderness. He had called them to something different. You shall be the head and not the tail, above, below. You shall be the lender and not the borrow. They refused it for 40 years. Well, when they had the time, they were supposed to make the decision. They didn't. And so even while they chose to not go into the promised land, he was providing something out of nothing. 
uh, because that's who he is. That's what he can do. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's how he funds things and does what it, whatever he needs. He doesn't ever need to have a fundraising campaign for anything, for your ministry, for anybody's anything. He has the ability to make it happen out of out of nothing. The bottom line is that the lamb loosed the second seal. We don't have to be subject to the kingdom of mammon. We're not waiting for the second seal to be open and us to go into all this, these problems. The death, the sword, the killing of each other, all the things described in that second seal are not a future event. It is the reality of how things were by authority. Satan had authority. He told Jesus that in Matthew 4, Luke 4. He showed him the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he said, these have been given to me. You bow down to me. I'll give them back to you. Well, that is no longer the case by Matthew 28, when Jesus calls his disciples, says, remember how he used to brag about he had authority? Well, all authority in heaven and earth is now mine. I paid the price. I got it back. He no longer has any authority to do what he's doing there. So you need to look at him and say, who is this? Uncircumcised, whatever. Yeah. Who is this uncircumcised enemy? Um, And so. So he is telling us to disciple the nations to bring down from heaven the way his riches function. It can happen. It will happen because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Babylon the Great will collapse and then only the unshakable remain. We are to receive that unshakable kingdom that comes out of Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. So I just want to um, um, the last closing thing here is to read who I believe is to be the archangel. I was telling you about the archangel of the mountain of government to be Uriel. I believe the archangel of the mountain of the economy is an archangel named Zerachiel hmm. and mentioned in one of the Enoch books. And Zerachiel, um, I believe he's the minister of finance of heaven. And his name, again, the L always refers to him. And it means provision is from him, provided by him, Zerachiel, Z-E-R-A-C-H. I-E-L, it's, it has some alternative spellings as well. It doesn't really matter uh, from, that, from that standpoint. But I believe he is the angel described in Revelation chapter 18. And, and it's the one dealing with Babylon the Great. So that ought to tell you. Uh, Revelation 18, 1 through 3. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Having great authority. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. Just stop for a moment and think about that. One angel whose glory is so great that the whole earth is illuminated with him. Wow, that's amazing. I, it just, I, didn't, so I, I never realized right. that was attributed to an angel. Wow. With his glory. See, that word glory also yeah. means wealth and riches. That's why I'm telling you it's this. It's, it's, the, it's the minister of wealth. So the problem is not can we get it. It's can you be found uh, worthy in some way? Can you have passed enough tests mm. so that it doesn't ruin you and destroy you when you get more wealth? So that's a basic um, really good. thing that I've seen with those who get breakthrough wealth is it's so hard for them to maintain humility for them to maintain teachableness. And so these are purifications of spirit and motive that have to take place so we can have this because he's ready to do so. Okay. Let us read it again. Um, 
and the earth was illuminated with his glory, verse 2, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons. So it is the archangel of that mountain is the one that gets the privilege of declaring and saying, Babylon the great is fallen, and that's the economic system of hell. That's mammon's economic system. And a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So we won't go into any more there. But it's letting you know what is obvious. If the enemy has a big principality, if we're going to say Mammon's over here and Jezebel's over here and Baal's over here and Apollyon's over here, et cetera, et cetera, our side is going to be more awesome. Um, and there is no illuminative glory that is even on Lucifer himself. He has to uh, transform himself into, you know, a, a being of light. But it's it's one of those fake white light things, a translucent, uh, pretend translucent thing. But our side, if, if just the angels, we've talked about two angels that are one so huge, he puts his one foot on the sea, one on land. And we have another one whose glory illuminates the whole earth. And we serve the God of these guys. We don't lack the firepower. And so it's never been about, can we survive, um, you know, the assault of this mean, bad devil? It's when we understand whose we are, what authority he has given to us, and, and what he already took care of at the cross. There's a reason he would say, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go therefore. So we really have to soak in and let that uh, um, register with us as as never before. And so this becomes part of our rallying cry for this time of victory, this time of advance for the saints of the Most High. We have to understand the kingdom. We have to understand we are kings and priests to our God, king of kings. He's the king. We're the of the kings. He's the king of the kings. We are called to be like David. We see things that are out of order, things that are legally out of order. When he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's like, he doesn't have covenant with God, and he's in our territory. We were literally there last week, and I was like, he was right there. That is territory that belongs to Judah. And David's like, he's in my tribe's territory. He has no business being there. And he has now come up against the armies of God. So he knew that he had defied the armies of the living God and not just defied Saul's servants. So the enemy had tried to reduce what the narrative was and saying, well, you are Saul's servants. David, no, they're not Saul's servants. We're the armies of the living God because this was something that our God did on our behalf. And so he upgraded the storyline. He upgraded the narrative to a higher level. And out of that, he had supernatural power to Remove the enemy easily. This is something we have to step into. So good, Johnny. Um, I mean, as we close for prayer, can I ask you to do this? It feels like this is, I don't normally see an action step here, but I'm seeing an action step where people who are um, convicted, for lack of a better word, they, they recognize that they didn't, they don't really go around passing these little tests of, of faithfulness and giving, faithfulness and sowing, generous heart, a generous spirit. They'll, if if the waitress doesn't give her the best service, they'll they'll pull a little bit off the tip, or they've never left a tip to the maid in their life, or they'll give just enough, barely ten percent, because that's what's required in their mind. 
And so they just don't give. And they, I just, they're in that thing waiting to become wealthy. And now they're hearing this today. So, I mean, maybe pray, you know, pray whatever you feel like or say whatever no, that's- you feel like. Steve, what you just hit upon, people don't realize this is where decisions over your future are being made in the heavenly realm, the spirit realm. Are you joining in with the authority? Are you learning to live under the Lord, my provider? Are you under this illegal, fiery red rider that defiles the whole earth? And those who rule on the tops of the mountains, these have been operating under his under his rule. But it literally is at that those moments and and you're you're ultimately overcoming mammon when you've overcome the fear of loss yeah because that's what it is it's not about how much you have it's have you overcome the fear of loss and so paul said i know how to be abased and how to be abound so he could be um you know he was a businessman and he had times when he was prospering great and so he knew how to be that and still know this came from god and then it could be ooh. We've gone through a low stretch here, but God never died, and he was never subject to the economy as well. And so he had a living relationship. Again, come and see. Whatever you can see gets activated. If you can't see God as your provider, he is likely to be unactivated on your behalf. Hmm. That's, That's the wisdom. That's the mystery, the brilliance of the quantum world understanding it is you. if you can see what's hard to see, you activate it on your behalf. So if you're having a hard time seeing that he is your provider, but you declare it anyway, you say, that's who you are. That's, I see what you did on behalf of your friends, your friends in scripture, whether it's David or Abraham or Joseph or Jacob, they all had great wealth because it wasn't because they were, you know, greed, greed meisters. Um, That was just what you gave to your friends. That's who you are. Jesus, his very first miracle is making a miracle of provision, of abundance, of giving them so much wine so that there is a marriage feast that is successful. And so this is and he was he was not, you know, he's he's promoted and books written the God of enough. He was not the God of enough. He was the God of more than enough. He made that over and over. There's 12 baskets left over, Uh, whatever, you know, 180 gallons of wine when they just need to close out the the wedding. And and, uh, (laughs) whatever you know peter's like i need a gold coin he's like oh and there's two and so he's not the god of just enough he reveals himself of the god of more than enough that's who he is um but let me just uh let me just pray with you as steve as steve was saying lord we just thank you for the lesson of today and and your heart for us and the heart to reveal yourself to us as this generous god this giving god this great god this kind god and, and Lord, those who are taking even advantage of, I will say, this teaching part mm. at this time to go deep within themselves and identify the areas where they have not yet made the Lord is my provider as king, that this would be a time they would have some breakthrough, Lord, that they, this would be a time that they would be able to uh, have registered within their spirit, their need to be ruthless with these weeds, these mammon weeds. These things that allow them to live in fear and greed and to live in a cycle that's below what you have for us, Lord. And so there is a freedom that's available for us, Lord. And I ask that there would be some release, some impartation of of faith and of trust in you, Lord. Maybe as we've talked about your greatness and your kindness and the size even of your angelic armies and of your archangels, 
that there is a release of, of faith and, and a, a, a trust in you at another level that would allow them to be ruthless when they face these moments of yeah, time to write a check, to leave a tip, to, to give. Uh, Lord, there would be something in them that say, you know what? I am not going to bow to this spirit of mammon anymore. And Lord, we just thank you for the victories that are coming. We thank you for the season that we're in, Lord. Even something we'll talk about later. This, the winner of uh, of the Belmont uh, Stakes, Lord, the Preakness. Let's see, yeah, Preakness, the, the the horse race over the weekend, named National Treasure, and how it relates to even things that you're speaking of as it relates to the second seal that no longer has authority over us. It's not something to dread in the future. You've already loosed us from this curse that says we don't have access to full provision from you. And we thank you that you're raising up your sons and daughters, raising them up with this uh, new kingdom fire, with this new kingdom resolve to step into being kings and priests unto our gods and be a part of rebuilding cities and nations around the world. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So good, Johnny. Really, really, really good. Amazing stuff. I learned a lot today. All right. Hey, and I'll just, I'll leave you all with this. My wife has a habit of going through that when she goes and buys a something at a drive through uh, or if she goes to get a cup of coffee, which I'm not sure she does it either. And she'll just, uh, she'll either give a 10 or a 20, whatever it is. And she just has a force of habit. I don't mean she forces herself. I mean, she just, it's her habit. She'll, she'll say, take the balance and say, use the rest of that to pay for the people behind me. Or, And she does it. Most of the time, I never hear about it. She's not telling me about it. One time, she came to me last week, and she said, you know, I was I was going to do that. And I thought this time, I don't know if it, you know, it's a, it's a hassle for people. To, you know. And then she says, I talked myself back at it, and I gave anyway. And said, and then all, there's all that joy, and people then start paying it forward. And they'll say, well, then you pay for the person behind me. Uh, it's just a really good habit. Those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully, the scripture says. If you sow sparingly, it's just like you you'll, you just oh, give her 50 cents. You know, I just really want to encourage you to just become givers. It's kind of I like, have to, go ahead. I have to interrupt to let people know that you that's something you do as a couple. And yeah. you walk that out. And a lot of the breakthrough, a lot of the reasons there's all these wells being built is that's who you are yeah. as well. People need to know that. I know you don't want to be there. And you're not bragging on yourself. You're bragging on your wife. But yeah. you are you are absolutely uh, one in that. And that is it's such a, a, a big lesson where you learn uh, not because this is not this season. You could easily take um, as your strategy. You know, we need to have this huge cushion over there because, I mean, we're in uncertain times. Nobody knows what's yeah. going to happen with the economy. And you're like, the more uncertain things are, the more I want to sow into my trust. It's that- crazy how God multiplies it. When we, all I ever intended to do a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, was sponsor one well, because Mike and Lori said, would you like to sponsor well? And I said, sure, we'll do that. That's That was it. And then that was so fun. Then there was another one. And then there was another one. And 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 you do sudden, so much more than that. And you do so much more. <laughs> People might think it's just wells. They don't know. Yeah. There's so many things and so many projects and so many uh, ministry things that you all have been able to step into and, and bless in an amazing way. And, and I and need to see. Just, yeah, and thank right you. Now you're very kind to say that we do. And God just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And, then, and he wants to. Yeah. So I just encourage that. And wherever you are, 
There was an old song I used to sing in my denomination decades ago, Bright in the Corner Where You Are. And that was the way the words go. So wherever you are, find a way to brighten that corner. Give something to somebody that you wouldn't. If there's a little dish on the counter, someone has cancer, would you like put some money in there? Maybe not coins, maybe paper dollars. You know, just give more than you see being given. God just sees that stuff. And he's moved by it. And Steve, you know, I know part of the steps the Lord had me do when I was trying to learn this better is is to look at my actual cash in my wallet. I know there's less cash in the wallet than for a lot where do things online and other things. But I would look at the cash and say, you will serve me. I do not serve you. You serve you serve me. And then I would I would just have to give some cash and say, as proof, you serve me. I'm giving this and, and, <laughs> and good. there's generosity. So you just there's some starter stuff you get because you've got to be ruthless with this mammon thing. If he yeah, is wanting so into you, if he wants to release his glory on you in that kind of way, you can't be letting these weeds of mammon. Keep totally. you and, you know, the, the, to the flip side. So so a server doesn't uh, give you the attention and she's testy with you and she you should give her five dollars for a tip and you don't want to give the five dollars because she doesn't earn it give her 20 and walk out before she sees it just give her 20 and walk out that will change your life that was revelation yeah it'll change your life and you don't wait to see what she looks like how she responds you just put it there and leave and flee before she sees the great tip you know it, you are giving them golden nuggets there, Steve. They have no idea. That is such massive kingdom truth he's given you. Oh, Be see. faithful in the little things. It's the so little good. foxes that spoil the vine. So that's Yeah. No, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. All right. So good, Johnny. Awesome, awesome. Let's see who's on tomorrow. We have uh what is it? Let me scroll up here. Barry Wunsch is be with us tomorrow, so that's always good. Enjoyable. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for st- sticking with us. It was a really good show today. It just gets better all the time, Johnny. So Give our love to Elizabeth and your family. And we will see you all tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.